Amen. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Beautiful song. Appreciate that. Amen. We'll be in Titus chapter number two this morning. Titus chapter number two. Go ahead and turn your Bibles over to Titus chapter number two. You know, isn't it interesting anytime you try to take a stand against the wickedness of the devil that he tries to get in and interrupt and distract in any way that he can. Have you ever noticed that, that that's the way the devil likes to work? So we try to take a stand against the wickedness of abortion, and he tries to mess up the video. He tries to mess up the song lyrics. But you know what? We go on, and we worship anyway. Amen. We take a stand on the Word of God. And I just thank the Lord for the, uh, the privilege of being able to serve the Lord. So Titus chapter number two. Years ago, long time ago, I think I was uh, 16, 16, 17 years old. I had an opportunity to preach on the radio. The only time I've ever preached on the radio in my life. Uh, but I, we was at a pastor's church and he did a radio program. He said, tomorrow morning I'm going to be on the radio. Well, you want to preach on the radio? And I'm like, sure, I'll preach on the radio. And so first time ever, only time ever, I go to the studio and they get me sat down in the chair and give me this big microphone in my face. And, uh, they, they, he said, you ready? I'm like, yeah, I think I'm ready. He's like, go, you're live. I'm like, I'm live? He's like, yeah, you're on the air. Start preaching. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And uh, so I jumped into the Bible and I preached from Titus chapter number 2, verses 11 to 15, which is the passage that we will be looking at this morning. And so uh, we're going to look this morning at this thought, uh, the steps of grace. Now the message that I preached when I was uh, 16 years old on the radio was not the same outline at all that I'll be sharing with you today, uh, but this is a wonderful passage of Scripture and we're going to look uh, at this thought of the steps uh, of grace. Whenever we talk about grace, oftentimes uh, people tend to confuse uh, grace and mercy together. Now they are very similar, grace and mercy are both very similar, but they are not the same thing at all. Mercy is whenever God gives me something that I don't deserve. Whenever God forgives me though I don't deserve forgiveness. Whenever God gives me an eternal home in heaven, although I deserve an eternity in hell, that is mercy. That is God giving me something that I didn't earn. God giving me something better than what I deserve. That is mercy. Oftentimes we confuse grace and mercy and because we will refer to grace as God giving me that which I did not deserve, uh, God giving me something that I, I didn't earn and we will many times describe grace uh, or define grace uh, almost exactly the same way we will describe mercy. Matter of fact, I've often heard people ask the question, what is the difference uh, between grace and and mercy. But you will find when we look into the Word of God that there is a definite difference between grace and mercy. I've just defined mercy as God giving me that which I did not deserve, which I did not earn better than what I did deserve. But grace can be defined as the merciful kindness of God. 
by which he introduces me to the ability to receive his eternal salvation. Grace can be defined as the divine influence of God upon my life that directs me to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can say that grace is giving me something that I don't deserve and that is a correct definition because I do not deserve the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do not deserve being able to accept Him as my Lord and Savior. I don't deserve that. But grace is not defined only in the fact that it's given me something I don't deserve. Grace is whenever God reveals Himself to me so that I become aware that I am a sinner and I have need of a Savior. Grace is when God intersects my path with Himself, whether that be through a gospel track or listening to the man of God preach or the witness of a born-again loved one. Whenever my path intersects the knowledge of God, that is the grace of God. Whenever I become aware of my ultimate sinfulness and I become aware of the deliverance that can be found through putting my faith and trust in God. That is grace. Grace is the divine influence of God on the lives of men. That is grace. And here in Titus chapter number 2, we see the steps of grace. You see, grace influences me before salvation in bringing me to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But grace influences me after salvation in teaching me how I ought to live for Him. So we're going to take a few minutes this morning and we're going to look at this thing of the grace of God. Now Michaela asked me this morning, she said, Dad, I got bread dough rising. Don't preach to 12.30. I said, baby, I've only preached to 12.30 a couple of times in my career. She said, today will be one of those days. So I just want y'all to notice that I'm getting started at 20 till 12, okay? So let's be fair about how long Pastor John preaches. Make sure you start your count at the right time. Anyway, Titus chapter number 2, Titus chapter number 2. We'll begin our reading in verse number 11. The Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority let no man despise thee. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as I've already said, it is good to be in your house. And Father, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that we have to gather together and Lord, to look into your word. And Father, as we look into your word this morning concerning these steps of grace, Father, I pray that you will open our eyes and our hearts, oh Lord, to the <clears throat> role that grace plays in our life. 
And Lord, that we will submit ourselves to the leadership and direction of your influence in our life. Lord, whether it is bringing us to a place of salvation or Lord, if it's helping us to grow in our sanctification, Father, whichever it is, I pray, dear Lord, that our hearts will be stirred by the thoughts from your word this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Bless us throughout this service and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The songwriter wrote a song and he said this, All of grace is my story all the way from earth to glory. All of grace is my story. It is grace that allowed me to be born. It is grace that found me in need of salvation. It is grace that revealed to me the way of salvation. It is grace that washed away my sin. It is grace that has taught me how to live as a Christian. It is grace that has revealed the truth of the Word of God to me. It is grace that has carried me from the very beginning to where I'm at now. And it is grace that is going to carry me through the pearly gate. All of grace is my story. And as Christians, we need to recognize that everything we are and everything we accomplish or anything that we are able to do is because of the grace of God in our life. Paul said, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 verse number 10, but by the grace of God I am what I am. I would have never gotten here. I would have never understood. I would have never been able to apply had it not been for the grace of God dwelling and instructing and directing me in my Christian walk because of the grace of God. There are four steps of grace that we want to look at this morning. The first one that we want to look at we see in verse number 11 and that is saving grace. Saving grace. He says for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The first thing that we see here concerning grace in relation to mankind is saving grace. For the grace of God which bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. I know that all throughout this congregation there are many different testimonies and boy, I'd love for us someday to just share all the different testimonies of how we came to know the Lord as our Savior. But I know my testimony. My dad was saved when I was still just a toddler. He was surrendered to preach just shortly after that. I grew up in a preacher's home listening to preaching all the time, listening to preaching at church, listening to preaching at home. I grew up listening to, hearing the preaching of the Word of God. I was enrolled in a Christian school, an ACE Christian school like we have here when I was four years old for K-4 program. I went to Christian school. I memorized Scripture. I knew everything, a lot about what was in this book. But at nine years of age, I encountered God. Now, I had a lot of knowledge prior to that. But prior to that, I hadn't encountered the fact that I was a sinner 
and he was a savior. I hadn't came to a full realization of the fact that if I did not put my trust in him, I would spend eternity in hell. I had not come to a place that I recognized my need for a savior. That evening there I was reading a Bible story to my little brother before he went to bed and as I read that story I began to realize within myself that unless I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that I was going to spend an eternity in hell and because I had been brought up in a pastor's home because I had memorized scripture because I was familiar with the word of God and the things of the word of God whenever I encountered God I had no problem going ahead and doing business with God I went out to my parents and I said I'm going to go to hell if I die and they took the word of God and they showed me how I could know for sure I was on my way to heaven I encountered grace that night and that grace birthed me into the family of God. I imagine each and every one of you can think back to the time when you encountered God's grace. Perhaps you had heard some things about the Word of God. Perhaps you was familiar with Jesus and maybe you knew about Easter and the death, burial, and resurrection. You knew of Christmas when the babe was born. You knew many things about the Word of God, but you had never came to that realization that you needed to put your trust in Him. But one day, you encountered grace. Maybe you was a young child like myself having been brought up around the Word of God and you was ready and eager to receive the Word of God. Maybe you were an adult and you had lived most of your, uh, you had lived your youth and had came into your adulthood and was going through life whenever you encountered grace. And that grace revealed to you that you were in need of a Savior. And whenever you recognized it, perhaps you accepted Him on the spot. Perhaps you labored over this for some time. Perhaps you battled against it. But you remember whenever you accepted the grace of God. The Bible tells us, for by grace are ye saved. It is God coming to you and making you aware of the fact that you need Him. And whenever you come to that point, it is grace that will birth you into the family of God. The first thing we see here in Titus is saving grace for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. God has made himself known to all so that all can come to salvation. John Newton wrote the song, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Here he is a slave trader. Here he is a wicked, ungodly man. And he encounters the grace of God. And I'm going to move on to the next point. But before I do, I just want to ask, have you encountered the grace of God? And have you acted upon what God has revealed to you? The first step of the steps of grace is saving grace. 
Once you accept the Lord as your Savior, though, grace doesn't leave, grace doesn't go away, but grace continues uh, to work in our life. And the next step that we see is in verse number 12 uh, where we see teaching grace. Teaching grace. The grace of God, the Bible says in verse number 11, teaches us uh, that denying ungodliness uh, and worldly lust, uh, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly uh, in this present world. Once I am born again by the grace of God, then I come into a place where the grace of God begins instructing me as to how I am supposed to live as a Christian. Now let me just be clear. How I live does not determine whether or not I have been born again that is reliant upon the mercy of God and He has taken care of birthing me into the family of God. But once I've been birthed into the family of God, the grace of God, the divine influence of God, the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of me begins to instruct me as to how I am supposed to live. The Bible tells us that when we are saved that we become a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And whenever people say that they have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing is changed, nothing is different, nothing is transformed, then I have to be the bearer of bad news and let them know you have not been born again. Although I may not be able to see it, if you have accepted Christ, there is a change that has taken place on the inside of you. And part of that change is a desire to live the way that God wants you to live. There is a hunger to know what it is that God wants of me. There is a desire to live my life in a way that is well-pleasing unto Him. And so God ministers to that desire. I have a natural desire because I'm a new Christian to want to live the way the Lord would have me to live. And the grace of God teaches me how to do that. The grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, first we see what we must abstain from denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Now we could preach a whole sermon on this, but this morning I'm going to leave it to you to figure out for yourself what the Bible's talking about here when he says denying ungodliness and worldly lust. If you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, he will readily let you know what you should not be partaking in. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. There's things that we should abstain from and there's things that we should apply ourselves to. Now he mentions three things here, three ways that we should live. And I'm just going to go over these quickly. First, we should live soberly. This speaks of my outlook. The Bible does not teach that as Christians we're to not enjoy our life. That's not what this is talking about. But it's teaching that we are to live in a mindset of being aware of what is going on in the world around us. We are to be aware of the hand of God. We are to be aware of the working of God. We are to live our lives looking through the lens of the Word of God. We are not to go through carelessly, flippantly, disregarding what God has said, but we are to live our lives soberly. 
our outlook on what is going on in the world, our outlook as to how we direct our homes, our outlook on how we behave ourselves, our outlook in what we participate in and what we avoid ought to be seen through the lens of the Word of God which will reveal to us what things are good and what things are wrong. We are to live soberly. That refers to our outlook. But then we are to live righteously. This speaks of my actions. My actions are to be righteous. That's what I'm to pursue to be. I'm to live my life in such a way that what I do can be identified as not being offensive to God. This is a a very simple way to see it. Many times folks are like, well, you know, what's, what's wrong with me having a nice car? What's wrong with me uh, having this hobby? What's wrong with me participating in this event? Possibly nothing, provided it's not offensive to God. You want to have righteous actions? Make sure your actions are not offending God. Righteously speaks of my actions and then godly. We are to live soberly, righteously, and godly. Now, righteously and godly are words much like mercy and grace that we would many times define the same, but there's a difference here. Righteousness is speaking of my actions. Godliness is speaking of my moral compass. Godliness is that guiding beacon inside of me that helps me to determine what I will and I won't do. Godliness is, as I said, that moral compass that points me toward God. Godliness is that that helps me to determine whether or not God would be well pleased with what I am doing. We are to live soberly, righteously, and godly. And the grace of God teaches us how we do that. The next thing that we see here, we see first saving grace. We see teaching grace so we are born again. We understand how we're supposed to live. But then the third thing that we see is anticipating grace. Anticipating grace. Let me tell you, the more you become like Christ, the more you want to be with Christ. The more you learn of Him, the more you want to know Him. The more you get into His Word, the more you want to meet the Word. I mean, there is something about getting close to God that makes you want to get even closer to God. And the third step that we see here in this thing of grace is anticipating grace. It says there in verse number 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. There's three things I see here in this anticipating grace. I'm trying to hurry for y'all, but we ain't gonna we ain't gonna throw this sermon away like we did a few weeks ago. All right, we're gonna finish it. There's a few things that we see here about this anticipating grace. First of all, I see the spirit of anticipation. I see the spirit of anticipation. He says there in verse number 13, looking for. This is the spirit of anticipation. I am looking for the Savior. I am looking for the Savior. You remember whenever your children were young, or some of you still have young children, and your children were small, and grandma and grandpa was coming to the house? You remember that? 
Grandma and Grandpa will be here in a little while. Grandma and Grandpa is going to do this, or Grandma and Grandpa is going to do that. And the little kids are excited that Grandma and Grandpa's coming. And they spend the day sitting on the back of the couch looking out the window, anticipating Grandma and Grandpa arriving. They are looking for them. And because they are looking for them, it affects their behavior. We see here the spirit of anticipation. We are looking for, that is, we are expecting Him to come. We are waiting for Him to come. That is, our life is altered. Our behavior is changed because we are living in a state of expectation that Jesus could come. We see a few things here about looking for Him. We are to believe that He will return. We are to live in expectation of His return. And then we are to be ready for Him whenever He decides to return. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter number 24, verse number 42, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Verse number 44 says, Therefore, be ye also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. We see the spirit of anticipation. We are looking for Him, but then we see the source of our anticipation. He says, looking for that blessed hope. What is that blessed hope? The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. You're familiar with this passage of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. What is this blessed hope? It is the hope of his imminent return. Looking for his return. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet will sound and we shall be changed. What is the blessed hope? It is the blessed hope of his return. In John chapter number 14, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again. I want to say that first we see the spirit of anticipation, but second we see the source of the anticipation. I have been promised an eternal home. I have been promised something far better than I have here. I have been promised a place where there is no tears, there is no sorrow, there is no suffering. I have been promised a place of bliss and I am looking forward to that day. Looking for the blessed hope. But then we see not only the spirit of anticipation and the source of our anticipation, but we see the satisfaction of our anticipation. What is it? When do we get satisfied? 
We've been looking, we've been hoping, we've been watching. What is the satisfaction of this anticipation? He says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. John said in 1 John 3, verse number 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Brother Anthony, I don't know about you, but I cannot wait till the day that I see him. We know not what shall appear, but I know this, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. I am looking forward to that glorious appearing. I am living my life looking. I am living my life hoping for the day that he will return. But one day he will return and he will appear in the clouds and I will see him and my hope will be satisfied. My longing will be complete when I am united with the Savior. We see the anticipation of grace. We see here that the Bible says in Job 19 verse number 25, for I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh will I see God. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you what, it just gives me chills to think that one of these days I will see my Savior. I will look on the one that gave his life for me. I will behold the one who in love sought me, drew me, brought me, saved me. I cannot wait till we see the Savior Matthew 5 verse number 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 1 Corinthians 13 verse number 12 says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Boy, I'm telling you what, the satisfaction of the anticipation when I see Him. Then last of all this morning, we've been saved, we've been taught, we have a hope. But we see last of all a proclaiming grace. A proclaiming grace. He says in verse number 15, these things, speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. In the video we watched earlier, the gentleman speaking said that we have the truth, but we choose to refuse to share. I have been born again by the grace of God. I have been taught by the grace of God. And despite the fact that this world that I live in is falling apart, despite the fact that we encounter hardships and circumstances and difficulties that we don't understand, despite the fact that loved ones have gone on before, despite all of the, all of the difficulty of this life... I can go through this life with joy in my heart, with peace and contentment. I can go through this life with expectation.
expectation of His return. I look at those that do not know Him and I often wonder how do they go through life? How do they manage the difficulties? How do they deal with the hardships? Because I know that the way I go through the life, I know the way I handle those hardships, the way that I am able to get past the things that I don't understand is the blessed hope of His return. Now I understand that Jesus saved me. I understand that Jesus taught me. I understand that Jesus has given me a hope of His return. And He's asked one thing of me. Take what I gave you and tell the world about it. Those people that you wonder how they're getting through the difficulty, tell them about a Savior that can give them a blessed hope. Those people you see who have very evidently have never been taught to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and they are throwing their lives away, pursuing after wickedness, tell them about a Savior that can give them hope, that can give them peace, that can give them the satisfaction that they're looking for. We see that there is saving grace, there is teaching grace, there is anticipating grace, but there is to be proclaiming grace. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all long suffering. Let the world know that there is a Savior. I started off this message saying that we encounter God. We encounter God. I encountered God Definitely through being exposed to the Word of God as a young child. There's something about that Bible story, and I don't even remember what Bible story it was. There's something about that Bible story that I was reading to my younger brother that night opened my eyes to my personal need for a Savior. Some of you would probably give testimony of the fact that there was an individual who came and talked to me I was living a life of sin. I was pursuing the things of this world. I, I knew about God but had never realized my personal need for Him. But someone came. Someone shared. Someone opened my eyes. I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, you could be the grace encounter that somebody needs. You could be the one that interrupts their spiral to eternal damnation. You could be the one that steps in front of their direction. You could be the one that helps them see their need of salvation. But the only way it's going to happen is if we are proclaiming the grace of God. Let's be people who proclaim His grace. Four steps of grace. I'm going to ask each of you to stand there where you are. Miss Debbie's going to come to the piano this morning. Perhaps you're here and you say, Pastor John, I've never experienced that saving grace. I know of God. I know about God. I know a lot of things about the Word of God. But Pastor John, there's never been a time when I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's never been a time when I made my knowledge about the things of God personal. There's never been a time when I have repented of my sins and asked the Lord to come into my heart and take over. I've never been born again. 
Perhaps you're this, here this morning and you've never experienced saving grace. As Miss Debbie plays, if that's your situation, I implore you to come. Come and let us take the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure that your sins are forgiven and that you can have an eternity in heaven. Perhaps you're here as a Christian and you're like, Pastor John, I know what you're talking about, about that teaching grace. Pastor John, I don't do a real job, good job listening. The Holy Spirit is teaching, He's trying, He's talking, he's, he's showing me things I should give up and get away from. He's showing me things that I should do more of. But Pastor John, I'm having a hard time listening to the instruction of the grace of God. If that's your case, it's Miss Debbie Plays, you come. Perhaps you say, Pastor John, I'm a Christian and I live for the Lord, but I've lost the glamour of the hope. Pastor John, I need to refocus my expectation on His return. Perhaps you're here and you say, I need to proclaim the grace of God. I need God to burden my heart with a desire to see lost souls come to Him. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning in any of these areas, as Miss Debbie plays, you come, do business with the Lord. this morning. I pray that that message challenged you, encouraged you, spoke to your heart. Get us back remembering the grace of God and what it does for us. Don't forget tonight is Next Generation Teens, and so Pastor Kent will be preaching. Several of the teens will be participating in the service. Do your best to be here. I know that you will be helped by the service. You'll be an encouragement to our teens, so be here. Support the service this evening at 6 o'clock. It's been good to be in the Lord's house. I'm going to ask Brother C if he would to dismiss. Before you do, I want to say, has anybody noticed just how tall this guy is? I mean, boy, I'm I did not realize how tall Brother C was. I mean, thank the Lord Brother C's back with us. Hip surgery went well, doing good. Brother, you pray and dismiss us this morning. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your grace. Father, your unmerited love for us. And Father, we, we anticipate your coming, Lord. Father, may we all be looking each and every day, Lord, for you. Father, just help us to... Be excited about it, Lord. And Father, get about your business, Lord. Father, as we feel the time is short, and Father, we just, uh, just thank you and praise you, Lord, for your saving grace uh, for us, Lord, for sending your Son, Lord Jesus Christ, to that cross. 
Father, now we just ask your blessing on the rest of this day. Father, that you give us safe passage home and bring us back to the next point in time. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.